then he says, Mark, what, remember when I first came into your office the second time and I spilled my pills all over your floor? He goes, those are my anti-anxiety pills, my anti-depression pills. He said, I take none of those anymore. He says, I have a relationship with my children now. You know, again, we can't sell that stuff. Nobody's going to pay the fees that we charge for that stuff. So we sell the promotion and the big bonus. That's why we do. That's why I do this. And welcome to episode 32 of the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Now, many of us who find ourselves coaching, and I'm sure there's an inadvertent double meaning in that statement, find ourselves. Anyways, many of us who find ourselves coaching have experienced some kind of perhaps big life change or wake up call. And whilst I'm not suggesting coaches in general have any kind of monopoly or are league leaders in finding themselves or reinventing ourselves, it's certainly my experience in talking to many coaches as a part of my work and indeed this podcast that quite often the most impactful coaches do have their own very powerful story to tell. And today's guest is no exception. I've been reading an extended bio of his um, recently, which I'll include in uh, the show notes, a link to that in the show notes. He's someone I've admired since we met, I think in at late 2013 at a coaching event. Um, not just for his track record, you know, he has transitioned from a very, very successful sales career um, into coaching, but really much more for his openness, his raw honesty in how he shares on social media and um, when I've met him as well, and, and indeed when I've heard him interviewed on other podcasts. So I'm honoured and delighted to have him on my podcast today. So big warm welcome to you, my dear friend, Mark J. Silverman. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me on. I now want a, a jersey that says number 32. <laughs> That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? That's, that's, that's food for thought, that is, yeah. Um, so this this question I'm going to ask you it feels like such a small question it probably invites an answer that could probably take up this this whole you know 40 40 minutes or so and more I'm sure um so but like I said I'm going to include a link to that wonderful bio piece that you sent me a while ago um but as a prologue perhaps into our conversation around your coaching um can you share how you got into the profession of coaching yeah, I'd say five years ago, I didn't even know what coaching was. It wouldn't. It didn't even occur to me that 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 was a career. Uh, when I, you know, growing up, when I was when I was younger, and it's only looking back now that I understand these things. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a rabbi or a teacher. I always wanted. I had a close relationship with God when I was like three, four, five years old, and I always wanted to make a difference and help people in the world. Then, you know, middle school and drugs and alcohol and bartending in real life came in and that took me off off uh the path uh of uh, of that but it was recently it was it was more recently when uh i had that proverbial life crisis probably my third life crisis and i was digging my way out of the hole and i was reading a an author named alan cohen who wrote a book called The Dragon Doesn't Live Here Anymore and Relax in the Wealth and some of the chicken soup in, of the soul. And he had a 
retreat out in Hawaii. And I don't, you know, at that point in my life, I hadn't done a lot for myself. And I told my family, I really need to do something for myself. I'm going to go do his workshop in Hawaii. I happen to love Hawaii and I'm going to really splurge. And I signed up for the, for the retreat and Alan himself called me up and he said, uh, Mark, uh, you know, you, you sign up for my retreat, but I have a hunch about you. He's a course in miracles. He says, spirit told me that you should come to my coaching program and not this retreat. And I'm sitting there just kind of looking at the phone going, Alan Cohen's calling me. How does he even <laughs> know me? Like, he doesn't know me. And he just says he had to follow spirit. And I said, great. I don't know what coaching is. I'm a sales guy. I'm just trying to find myself. He goes, great. He says, I have lawyers. I have salespeople. I, you know, they come to my coaching. They do my coaching program, which is, you know, eight months and then a retreat out in Hawaii and all that. He said, I'll give you all your money back. If you don't like it and you don't want it, you can come to any of my retreats. I just have to follow spirit. I said, sure, I'll do that. Uh, you know, Alan Cohen's call. I loved his books. It was a really beautiful thing. Uh, about three, four weeks into the program, we were on, you know, the coaching programs or you're on the phone with the 10 or 12 people who are in the program. Uh, I was starting to get physically ill and I couldn't sell worth anything. And I was really angry and I hated all the people on the call. Yeah. And I get on the call, and you, as you say, raw and, and vulnerable, I get on the call, and the, the Alan gets around to me and goes, Mark, how are you doing? How's your week been? I said, you know, Alan, I'm pissed off. I'm sick. I can't sell. I don't like this program. I don't like any of this, uh, and I don't know what's wrong. And Alan, in his infinite wisdom, says, you know, Mark, can you, can you just sit with that? Like, <laughs> that coaches cop out, but... He was he was very wise. Yeah. I spent the next week journaling and going inside and meditating on this thing that was coming. And it dawned on me what what Alan had pointed me towards was the thing that I had wanted to do my whole entire life. Every time I did something self help, every time I did something, you know, outside the bounds. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, so I love sponsoring people. Uh, it, it showed me what I really wanted to do, what I was really born to do in life, and I couldn't figure out how to do it because it cost me so much money. To li I live in one of the richest towns in, in, in the U.S. I have uh, an elderly mother who I take care of. I have an ex-wife and two kids in co you know, headed to, they were headed to college at that time. There was no way I was going to be able to do this. But he had shown me what it was, and uh, eight months later, yeah. uh I was a coach. I don't do th I do things pretty quickly. Once I made that decision, once I figured out that's what it was, and I got the support of everybody in my world that this was absolutely what I should be doing. My ex-wife, when I told her about this, she says, "You know, we've been looking for a word for what you did in the corporate world, why you were such a successful sales guy. Uh, that coaching is the thing." So I jumped into coaching, and my first six clients were my customers from my uh, high tech jobs. So just so we can perhaps understand the context of that transition a little bit better, what, what was your work life about prior to that? What so my work up, life what was, we up to? my yeah. work life was, I was, I was a high tech sales guy. I put together multi-million dollar sales to fortune 500 companies for their IT needs, software and hardware. 
So those those were team sales. They were they they incorporated uh, every level of an organization from the from the you know the CIO down to the frontline employees, and uh, you know it was maniacal. So every every year I'd exceed my goal, and every year I'd be set to zero, and every year it would double, and it was really uh, a pressure cooker. And for a guy with a personality like me, it wasn't wasn't suited for me. I was really successful, but it ate me up inside. All right. I mean, I got that from from reading that bio piece as well. I mean, when you say successful, just some context around that. There was some significant six figure bonuses involved in in that work, right? It was it was uh, it looked to me like a, a profession that, in some respects, would be difficult to turn your back on. I guess it's nice to be able to buy whatever you want whenever yeah. you want. I never balanced my checkbook. I always had more money than I needed. It was. Yeah. And for a guy who grew up poor and who came to town and was homeless for a while, you know, having more money than I needed and to make problems go away was a really nice thing. Right. Yeah, cool. So when you had um, like this realization, yeah, coaching, this is it. And by the way, I love I love Alan. So just between you and me, nobody else is listening, right? So just between you and me, Alan's one of three guys that I sleep with in the in the night because I I suffer with tinnitus. Well, I don't really suffer actually, but I experience tinnitus. That's tough. I say. It's tough. Yeah, so I tend to have something on at night time, just something to listen to. So it's either him, Michael Neal, or Robert Holden. Some people like like that, Moody or whatever. So and uh, so yeah, Alan's one of the guys I I sleep with. Anyway, right, moving on. Um, <laughs> So I, have to tell D is, I have to tell D is beautiful partner. <laughs> I guess he won't really mind. I'm sure. Um, so, I guess I, right, the obvious question here is: Okay, what happens next? You're 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 through this coaching program. I, I'm intrigued, in perhaps a little bit of detail, because this is something I think a lot of coaches miss: is using your existing connections to help get you started. How did how did that how did that those kind of conversations come about? I'm intrigued. So going through a coaching, a coaching training program, you do practice coaching. And uh, so I was doing practice coaching sessions every week, a few, a few every week. And that, when I started to see results coming from those free sessions that I was doing, I didn't even really know what I was doing. I didn't have any skills. I just had what I brought to it. Seeing that make a difference and then gaining skills and as time went on getting better at that. Uh, you know, started giving me the confidence to offering sessions. Uh, so, so I didn't really think about the business at all. I just trusted spirit. I trusted God. I trusted my intuition, and I hated what I was doing. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't until I found the Prosperous Coach, mm-hmm. read the Prosperous Coach, and saw, uh, and you know, and hired both Steve and and Rich Litvin to show me how to build a practice that I actually deliberately went out and started looking for people and meeting people and bringing them in and coaching them, giving them a taste of what I do and then signing them as clients. Yeah. It took being told how to do that. You don't, you don't just be, become a coach when we get a little further in the conversation and we get to the raw unvarnished and how hard it is to build a coaching practice. We'll, we'll, we'll get back into that part. Well, I'm interested in that transition, of course, because, you know, that's something that many, many coaches go through a transition from, you know, what looks at least like a safe, secure nine to five, or maybe seven to nine <laughs> corporate job, right. That pretty much, um, owns their life. Um, yeah. Transitioning from that into being a solopreneur as a coach, 
and setting up their business as a coach because I know like I think um there's certainly a common theme in, in a lot of coaches that I talk to is that we okay I can speak from my personal experience the business aspect of that was probably the bit that got the least attention so I'm curious when you having you know successfully transitioned and we can talk about what that actually looks like what your what is a successful practice for you now we can come to that but having having gone through that transition now what 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 have you learned really that you'd like to share really um about going through that transition and what might you have done differently had you known what you know now so had I known what I want to know now, I wouldn't buy a new car every two years, uh, <laughs> which I still do. Uh, I, I, I can't I can't I can't seem to hold on to hold on to cars. Uh, so I didn't realize that I was an entrepreneur until 2017. You and I met in 2013 and I was already a coach. Yeah. I am just dawning on me that I'm an entrepreneur and I run a business the first two years. So I was I'm not that bright. Uh, and I'm very trusting in in how things are going to turn out. And having such a long track record of having more money than I ever needed, it just didn't dawn on me that this wouldn't be as successful as everything else I did. And and jumping into the coaching industry and looking on Facebook and seeing how successful everybody is. Oh my God, everybody <laughs> so successful traveling around the world. I thought, of course. I have the business background. I will be uh, wildly successful. But the first two years I made a decision that I didn't really care how much money I made. I was going to be a sponge. I was going to master this craft. I was going to learn from the best. Uh, so I, I coached with the best people in the world. I was going to take every experience. I flew all around the world you know, doing shaman work, doing, uh, doing practical work, doing all kinds of stuff yeah. to hone these skills so that – being a coach wasn't just a uh, um, a name I had. I really mastered my craft and did my own work, my own deep work. Uh, so after two years is when I really started deciding, okay, now I need to start making money. Because again, it cost a lot of money to have an ex-wife who I love and support, two children who are headed to college in an expensive town and an elderly mother and a Hugo Boss habit. And, you know, I, 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 I don't drive Chevys, you know. <laughs> uh, so so that's when when really it kicked in and ha- that I really needed to build a business. And then, of course, resistance comes in once, you know, once if you're if you're a coach, whatever you need to teach you're going to have to experience yourself. So when I really put the pedal to the metal, that's when I really learned what it is to start building a business. And it's this year, this past year, that uh, I've really been putting those fundamentals in place. What have you learned about yourself then during that transition? That I'm a really good sales guy. I'm a really bad businessman. (laughs) And I'm an even worse entrepreneur. In what way? Can you are you willing to expand on any of those? Make those parts yeah, a little bit I more sell. real. So uh, a a good entrepreneur knows that income and expenses and taxes, <laughs> you know, all have to kind of balance out. I don't know those things. I buy what I want when I want it, <laughs> and I don't think. Of- about those things. I don't put money away for taxes. I don't think about those things. I never had to. Uh, and you know, now, now I'm understanding that those 
those things are fundamental to growing a healthy business. Yeah. You know, it took the, the first two years were very spiritual in nature, very like I was just was in this in this world of, in this university of experience and learning. And then after that, I was in the really fun business building phase, you know, making money. I do have a healthy six figure business. Uh, unfortunately, it takes more than that to keep my boat afloat. But you know, so so I believe my own press. You know, Mark, you have a six-figure coaching business. That's amazing. Most coaches don't make you know nearly that. Uh, but what I you know, that's great. Then how do I put the? What happens when two of my high-paying clients get sick? Hmm. That's half my income, right? Uh, how do I fill that? How do I refill that pipeline? What what have I done on the back end for support and keeping those systems going? I wrote a book that sold fifty thousand copies so far. It's selling three hundred copies a month. How did I capitalize? How, how did I capitalize on that? All those things I just missed the boat on. I just didn't know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the book really, and and what what's the impact you've seen of putting that out there? It's a fantastic book. I recommend it um, to people as well. Um, it's very succinct, very concise, very to the point. Um, Tell us a little bit about the book, how that came about, and and what impact that that's had. So the the book came in probably year two year two of me being a coach and realizing that I'm the, my own worst boss. Uh, you know, again, that I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not, and I shouldn't be my own sales manager. Uh, yeah, and I was talking to my coach about not being able to get focused on the things that really needed to get done. I mean, I'm, I'm rolling here. I'm good at what I do. It's starting to grow, but I'm not getting certain things done. And we made an experiment of me focusing only on things that were tens, hell yeses, and letting go of the things that, uh, were not. And that process of getting honest, so for me, it was about completely getting honest with myself. When I'm procrastinating on things, it meant that I really didn't want to do them in the first place. <laughs> oh, my God. I lied. I said yes to people because I'm earnest and I really want to want to do it. But I don't want to do it. So I didn't do it. Uh, so And then what I started to see is on my to-do list that everything had a qualifier. Everything had a should. Everything had a fear, a fear of not doing it. Or, you know, there was all, all kinds of stuff that qualified the things on my to-do list. So that week-long experiment of I was going to sit there and only do the things that I had juice for started slowing down my thinking and slowing down my looking at how I went about my life and my relationships and I decided I'm going to write a book on this specifically for myself yeah. to get a PhD in only doing hell yeses, right? Dealing with my, because I'm, I'm severely ADD. So I was taking, I took Ritalin. I haven't taken Ritalin since I wrote the book, but I wrote the book just for me. I figured I'd sell one copy and it would be really cool. Good to yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that'd be really, maybe, maybe, Wonderful. you know, I, one other person would buy one, right? Like I had a couple friends. And then when the sales started racking up those first couple of days, my ex-wife called me up. She goes, you don't have that many friends, Mark. Who's buying this book? <laughs> like, I have no idea. So that was that was, that was was the impetus for the book. And it's, it's still paying dividends as far as uh, impact on people's lives. Yeah, beautiful. Brilliant. Thank you for that. So I'm, I'm curious then um, 
about the progression of your business from um you know enrolling people that are already in your existing network as part of that transition um what does it look like now how are, how are clients finding you or are you you know creating clients now how is that so, how is that different so i'll tell you it's really different one of the things that i resisted was building community one of the one of the tenants of becoming a successful coach is building a community of people. I'm a rabid introvert. I don't like people. I like <laughs> persons. Give me one person, I'm with you. Give me a few people. I don't even like going out to dinner with groups of people. And I didn't know this until I became a coach. That was one of the other things that limited my growth was once I became a coach and I didn't have to go out in the world, I didn't go out in the world. So it was me and my dogs and my koi and uh, I was perfectly happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the last year and a half, my little mastermind that I belong to really pushed me to go out and start to build community. So I started joining networking groups. I started going out in the world, and and um, and I'm speaking a lot more in public, uh, and and pushing myself to go to this happy hour where CEOs that I want to coach are at. Uh, and, uh, so this past year has been about me building that community. And what I find when I do build community, uh, things start happening. People have to experience my work in order. We sell air, we sell, we sell, you know, you know, Mark, what do you do for a living? I don't know. I talk to people and they get promotions and they make more money. And by the way, they start to love themselves and they start to have some ease with the world. I can't sell them that because nobody will pay me for that stuff they'll pay me for the promotions they'll pay me for all the other stuff yeah. but what i really get you know yeah we know that is you know some some semblance of a center and a connection to something deeper uh but i uh, you know that that profile and success that biography you keep talking about was me going to a networking group saying oh my god you have to meet this other person uh, uh gordon burkhardt who wrote the wrote the piece and he now, he's written 533 of these. Now we're having breakfast in, on Wednesday morning, and he wants to introduce me to that whole network of CEOs and executives all around the Washington, D.C. area. It's a beautiful thing. So, But that, I have to get out of the house and go meet people and go talk to people and go be interested in people in order to build that community for that so, to happen. So for, for a rabid introvert, what, what's changed that's really enabled you just simply go out and do that. First is having the support of a group of people who know me, know, know how I am, and then having them push me to go do that. The second is a repetitive. It's, it's anything that, you know, anything to expand our range, anything to get outside of our comfort zone, the repetitiveness and seeing the results Oh, you know, I went, I, I, uh, one of the guys in my net, my networking group was going to a group where a bunch of CEOs were going to be. And he says, Mark, it's Tuesday night. You want to come with me? I got you a free ticket. It's $100 for a ticket. It's free. You want to go? No, I don't want to go. Yes, I'll be there. I'll meet you here. Right? And I walked, just before I walked in, I did a video to my mastermind. I, and uh, I swore up and down. I, I won't swear on your podcast. But I was like, I hate this. I hate every minute of it. Look at these people. I don't want to be here. And I walked in, I had six conversations by being maniacally focused on whoever it was I met uh, that were really deep. And there was a couple of people who wanted follow-ups. They're like, can I have your card? And I, it's funny because I talked about them, interested in them until they asked about me. Yeah. 
Uh, and then I did a presentation on how to network for introverts right after that because now I'm an expert. Uh, so, but but you know, my initial was, I don't want to go. Are you crazy? And I said yes. And I was there, and I just I actually went up to two people who were standing by themselves, and said, "Hi, I'm Mark. Um, don't do networking groups really well. You were standing by yourself, so I promised myself to introduce myself to four people. You're one of my four. Hi, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> real honest, real honest. You know, and and it was great. Uh, by the way, I don't drink, so that's really hard. These people are throwing them back, and I'm like, I had to go talk to people. You know, when I was bartending and I was drinking, I was bartender of the year. Yeah, I'm an extrovert when I'm drinking. So sober is kind of t- kind of tough. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So you've mentioned, you know, an important part. And I totally agree with you here in, in helping you to to progress, um, both on with your inner work and and in your business. The support you've had, I agree. It's it's, it's something that's easy for us to 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 neglect. Um, I wonder what kind of client are you? What kind of client am I? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my coach, uh, Rich, uh, says that I, I self coach, uh, you know, all I need is a prompt and then I'll talk for 15, 20 (laughs) minutes and I'll coach myself into the answer that I need. Uh, so I think I'm a pretty great client. (laughs) Uh, in that respect, uh, I also am a tough client because I deal with a ton of resistance. Uh, you know, I, I don't hide it. I have, I, I'm an addict. I'm a drug addict. Uh, I've almost died several times and, uh, I have a self-destructive streak that, um, uh, I stay, it was really good. You ever hear of philosopher's notes, Brian Johnson's philosopher's yeah, notes. Yeah. So Brian Johnson once said on a call, I was on a call with him. Uh, and a group of people, and someone asked about depression. And he says, I know depression. He says, why do you think I do all this? Why do you think I am maniacally focused on this? I'm three steps ahead of depression every day, right? And I was like, thank you for admitting I'm three steps ahead of being Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas and dying in, you know, in a drug-induced coma in the arms of a cooker with a heart of gold, <laughs> you know, like every day. So... I do all this stuff because I have all this self-destructive resistant thing. The fact that I that I am alive, successful, open-hearted in helping people, raise two children, you know, and have wonderful relations, have a wonderful loving partner is diametrically opposed to the normal sh- stuff that's going on in here. So yeah, uh, I don't even know what the question was, but you wanted raw and honest. Yeah, that's no, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for that. What kind of a client am I? Resistant. I am yeah. resistant, uh, and and I seem to accomplish things. Yeah, yeah, getting things done. So I want to with the uh, one thing I've omitted to ask you about the networking. Um, what makes that a ten? Because you know you've said, oh, it's something you don't want to do, but clearly you do. Uh, what what is it that makes that a ten? So my ex-wife said something to me that was really, re- really revealing. She says, you know, Mark, when people meet you, it's magic. Yeah. You can't write anything. You can't, you know, like, I can't write anything. I can't put videos. <laughs> my videos are fine, uh, you know, all that stuff. But it isn't until people meet me that magic happens. So I have to get over myself and go meet people. 
And then all of a sudden they want to help me. It's been my entire career. It's why I was successful as a sales guy. I wasn't aggressive as a sales guy. I didn't play three dimensional chess and, you know, and all that stuff. People wanted to help me. People wanted to do things for me. People trusted me. So that translated into this coaching business. So that's why I go to the networking meetings, because one part of my practice is expanding my range and leaning into what's discomfort. And two is to see the results that when I meet people, special things happen. Yeah. So I'm curious. I think I mentioned this to you um, before we started recording, but I'm, I'm wondering what is perhaps the the thing that you've carried forward what have you carried forward? Probably more than one thing will occur to you, but um, that you've carried forward, like from that previous life or lives, <laughs> that that helps you the most in your coaching now. So the one, one, the first thing is humility. Uh, you know, I've been homeless. I, I've lost everything. Uh, you can't tell me anything that shocks me. Uh, if you bring shame into my office, you bring shame into the conversation. I can top you. Uh, so really I'm not, I'm not phased by any of it. I can see your worth and you're magnificent no matter what happened in your life. If I can see it in my own, which again, I have to credit Alan Cohen for that one. Alan Cohen taught me to love myself when, uh, you know, I was kind of suicidal. Uh, and if I can see that in me, I can see that in other people. As far as being a businessman coach, uh, you know, I have sold millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff. I have been part of complex business dealings. I'm not a great businessman, like so I'm not a business coach with the nuts and bolts and your payroll and all that stuff, but I understand business. I understand sales. I understand politics at uh, you know in corporations. So that's helped. And I was a sales guy, so I'm not afraid to propose and I'm not afraid to ask for money and I'm not afraid to accept money which I think a lot of coaches who come up through the new age kind of loving, oh, yeah. they, you know, they, they may be so effective and so wonderful as coaches, but they don't know how to feed themselves. And, and uh, that's, 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 that's a tragedy because they do really good stuff in the world. Yeah. And I, and I relate to that as well because I, you know, my, I, very successful in my corporate career, six figure salaries and the fast cars, big houses and all that stuff. So I never, I never, um, I never found it a problem. Didn't have much thinking around asking for, you know, reasonable and high fees. Um, but one of the things that I realised was it was a friend of mine said something to me once, and uh, a dear friend of mine who lives in in Holland, and he said, "Phil, do you think it's a good idea to try and sell your services to people that really have no way to pay for them?" So, how how do you is a how to question, of course. Um, how how is it just is it networking events how how if i sit here and think right i do want to coach ceos how would you help me in in finding those people and and developing connections with those people so first is first off is you have to be in those circles you have to you know if you're if you're going to hunt wild game you have to be where your wild game is mm -hmm. Uh, so there has to be reasons for you to, if you're going to coach a CEO, yes, every, every life coach can coach another person because they have a life and that's absolutely, uh, you get, but to get them in the door, you, you have to be where they are. You have to put yourself in their, in their way. Uh, so you're, so, so again, coaching people who have access to them will, and having them willing to talk to 
you know, to you. That's one way. Going to networking events where they are, joining their clubs, finding out what's interesting to them. If you're following them on LinkedIn, you'd have to know who you want to coach. What is it you think they need from you or want from you or that can benefit from you? And then you need you may need to follow them for a year on LinkedIn and on Twitter and comment on their stuff and follow the people they follow so that they you have credibility with them. I mean, you can't just go, I want to coach a CEO. You got you know, and, and you don't have to you don't have again, I don't believe the lie that you have to have the background and all that stuff. But you do need to put the work in that says that you that that you're in the game with them. They don't want to, they they want to be coached by people who who have done the work. It's just like a sales guy. So what do you you know you walk when a sales guy walks into uh, somebody's company and says, so what do you guys do? Did you look at our website? Did you read our annual report? Did you know what our mission is? You know so you know demonstrate some interest there. Yeah, yeah, such a key point. So you've mentioned Alan um, Cohen. So I'm wondering who else or indeed what has influenced you and helped you increase your impact in your coaching so i'd have i have to give steve chandler a, a shout out uh, again if you read a steve chandler book page for page more value than any books i've ever written just so plain spoken blue collar you you know you're a professional and you're doing a job he's he is cold water every time i'm like i am a coach no you're a coach <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, two folding chairs and a light bulb. That's all you need, right? Uh, so he brings me down to earth. So that's really been helpful. Uh, Michael Neal, uh, you know, the, the people that we all follow, Rich Litvin has, you know, completely changed my life in every every way. And I, I love I love that man uh, deeply. Um, yeah, so actually, there's, there's someone I'm going to mention, I'm waiting for the right time to mention him. He's new in my life. His name is Mike McCallowitz. And he wrote a book called Profit First that I spent last weekend reading, talking about becoming an entrepreneur, talking about if you want to be a coach and be, you know, you can't, if you can't make money, you can't keep coaching and you can't keep helping people and you can't change the world. So Mike McCallowitz really unvarnished uh, how do you become an entrepreneur and be a sustainable entrepreneur? It was, it's, it's what I spent the whole weekend reading, Profit First. Every coach should read that book yeah, cool. and actually should listen to the audiobook because he's hysterical. Thank you. But yeah, so, that, so that's been really, really influential. What do you consider really, if you look at um, the coaching profession, what do you consider perhaps the blessings of the profession are and, and perhaps the other side of that coin? What are the things you might like to see? Uh, so the, I'll, I'll say, I'll say the, deep, the deepest blessing for myself is the relationships. I have met uh, some of the, most, the deepest relationships I've ever had in my life and enriching relationships. Uh, God, just thought of the, my two friends who passed recently. Uh, God, I hate when this happens. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I've met people who are on the journey who have uh, impacted me in ways that I wouldn't have met ordinarily. Uh, so I'm really blessed with that. Uh, and then the difference that I made that when I when so I, I tell the story, I have this uh, executive who came into my practice uh, wanting to deal with uh, his company was 
was being bought by a conglomerate that was going to change the way things were. So how did, was he going to deal with that? And was he going to get a promotion, go to a different job? So we worked on that and it turned out he got a promotion. He got a huge bonus. Uh, he got, he got a new job with a new, with a, with a big bonus and all that. And after working for, with, together for a year, he said, I'd like to sign up again for another year. And I said, okay, let's slow down. Let's go over what we did this last year and figure out what we want to do next year to see if it's really worthwhile working together. And I said, so what did we accomplish this year? You know, and he listed he, he's listed off the uh, the the business goals. But then he said, Mark, what what remember when I first came into your office the second time and I spilled my pills all over your floor? He goes, those are my anti-anxiety pills, my anti-depression pills. He said, I take none of those anymore. He said, I have a relationship with my children now. You know, again, we can't sell that stuff. Nobody's going to pay the fees that we charge for that stuff. So we sell the promotion and the big bonus. That's why we do. That's why I do this. Yeah. Yeah. Totally with you on that. that. Any really strange moments or stories you'd like to share? (laughs) Uh, The the time the guy physically uh, threatened me. So uh, my my new rule I do not I do not coach passive aggressive people, and uh, and I'm really careful with people who've been abused as children, hmm. uh, because I was coaching a wonderful guy, wonderful, loving, amazing guy, and we we're having a really a really nice arc, and then something happened, and he was abused as a child, and it was very clear. I became his perp <laughs> mm-hmm. and I became the symbol of bad because it was separating from the abusive uh, parent and he physically threatened me and uh, that was uh, that was that was that was a tough one and that one that one showed me where I shouldn't be playing <laughs> uh, you know there's some things that just aren't for coaching yeah and I can see those earlier now. That wasn't strange. That was a, that was a little that was a little sobering. <laughs> well, I also think it's really important for us to to not shy away from sharing that as well, because you know there is a temptation um, to think that we can help everybody if they're willing to let the help in. But you know, I I, I will come across things. I think you know what this is probably beyond my pay grade. Let's you know you might be better at working with X, Y, or Z. You know? Yeah, no, it, you know I've I've told people that they need to stop smoking pot if they want to work with me. Not because I think pot is bad, but because I see their relationship with pot. And I said, you're not going anywhere with your relationship with pot. (laughs) Uh, I'm an addict. I know an addict. I know what happens. So I'm wondering for you, what is your current biggest challenge? Uh, My current biggest challenge. My current uh, is is very, very simply uh, becoming profitable. Uh, I, again, I, I have a, I have a healthy business. No, let me, let me not lie. I have a, uh, a business that's bringing in a good amount of money. My outlay is huge for a coach, you know, for someone in my position and, uh, and the way I run my business has been very immature. So this profit first that I was talking about this growing up and and making this a sustainable business yeah. has is now my challenge. 
I'm my my coach. I my coaching has defined itself. Who I coach has defined itself. Uh, what I bring to a coaching conversation, and it took years for me to really trust that and and bring that you know bring that forth and trust it. Uh, but now, building a business that I treat as a business is my challenge. Yeah, I don't. I I really enjoyed making more money than I needed, so I never needed to check my bank bank account. Now I need to put money aside for taxes. Now I need to put money, you know, here. And I, I you know, that's that's the piece. That's Thank tough. you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I like to ask this question to to most people that that that, that you know give us give us their time. Um, if you had, you know, a whole bunch of coaches in a room um, who were perhaps in their first year or two of their practice. And you really just had a quick message for them, 30 seconds, minute at the most. What might that message be? Okay. You, you really want this. this is, <laughs> so I get a lot of I talk to I talk to a lot of new coaches, people transitioning into coaches. I have a conversation this afternoon with someone who wants to hire me to help them transition from their corporate job into coaching. Yeah. And this is what I tell every single one of them. <laughs> it's like being a musician. If you are capable of being anything other than a musician, you should go do that and be a musician on the weekends. If you are capable, if you're not capable of not being a musician, go sleep on people's couches, go be a musician, fulfill your destiny. If you can be anything other than a coach, go be that. Go do that and coach and love and support everybody in your life. Do not become a coach. If you cannot not be a coach, then you've got something there. If that, you know, every fiber of your being says this is what you need to do with your life, then you can do what you need to do. Now, great, there are people who can transition from certain corporate positions and they bring that um, that uh, type A focused business acumen into the coaching world and they can transition slowly in doing that. I find them few and far between. <laughs> Uh, most people I see end up like me, really successful in that and missing the boat on this. So, th so that's what I tell people. Like I, that's my test for people. I really try and push them away. And when they come back at me and they're like, no, this, you know, I give them a ton of coaching videos to watch. And if they go, no, I didn't, I watched one or two. I'm like, really, dude, if you don't eat this stuff up, like for breakfast, this is not a good direction for you. But when they come back to me and said, I watched every single one of those videos and this is what I got out of this and this is what I got, then I know that this is a direction that they want to go in. The other thing I tell people, and this is more than 30 seconds, is if you can transition slowly from your job that actually in the, in the United States has health insurance benefits and you know a salary and then coach people on the weekends or in the evening and you can transition until you have a roster – do it that way. I can't. I'm ADD. I'm like, I'm a sales guy. Oh, wait, I'm a coach. I had money in the bank so I could sustain myself. So really, this is, you know, do not believe the things that are on Facebook. Do not believe these programs that say you can be a six-figure coach in six months. Do not believe them. Do not believe them. Do not believe them. How's that? Yeah, thank you for that. And I, totally with you on, on all of that. When I talk to coaches of transitioning, I think of mentioned this on this podcast before as well is to 
if you are committed I, I, and i love how you put it if you cannot not be a coach then I, I still want to encourage people to look at how their existing circumstances their existing career can support them in that transition and rather than seeing it as an obstacle seeing it as, as a way that supports them in that transition because i know that I, I jumped off the cliff you know really with without a parachute <laughs> and, and and i had no idea and fumbled around for a, a good couple of years until i came across the, the book the prosperous coach which did change everything so um yeah i always think it's easy to overlook and that's one thing i've got from you um is how you have used um you know your your previous experience all those circumstances to help you move forward um so really finally then mark for you what is the purpose of your coaching you want to know the secret this is this is the secret my job is, my job is to introduce people to god whoever that is for them. I will get you a promotion. I will get you more money. But my stealthy mission is to introduce people to God. And I don't have a definition of that. That's probably why most of my clients are like devout Christians or, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's why I do what I do. Um, I'm deeply moved by that answer. Thank you very much for your time today, Mark. It's an absolute delight having you on here. Thank you. I, we, we, till we talked about this, I will, I will talk to you anytime you and I want to talk together because it is uh, one plus one equals uh, three or five or ten, and I love it. Thank you so much. Wow. I love Mark and so appreciated and loved his humility in this conversation. And just listening back once again to Mark's answer to that final question brings me to goosebumps what a beautiful way to see coaching and yeah I, I also so relate to that one of my mentors Robert Holden suggests that all any of us really wants is an experience of our own heart and maybe just maybe in that respect that experience would be an experience of God I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of 2018 I've got some great guests lined up for this coming year and a few other ideas too um, so thank you once again for listening please do keep your messages and feedback coming I always I'm always grateful to hear from anyone who's listening to these so thank you like I say for listening that's what makes it worthwhile hearing from you um, happy new year and I wish you all much love and joy <laughs>